Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs, with new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Trina Felber. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. Trina is CEO of the Primo Life Organics Paleo Skincare Company, where she has developed over 100 food-based skincare solutions to feed the skin. Her entrepreneurial skills and business-savvy mindset are inspiration to women everywhere. Trina, tell us a bit more about yourself and fill in any blanks. Well, that's a big topic. Um, so I started my career as a nurse. So I do have a background in nursing. I went back to school after 12 years of nursing. I went back to school to do anesthesia. Um, and I learned so much more about the body. And it was right after I graduated from anesthesia school that I got married and got pregnant. And it was during my pregnancy that I actually became an entrepreneur. It's when I actually developed my skincare line, because when I was looking at what was out there in the market that was safe, not just for me, but for my baby, I couldn't really find anything. So I literally just started um, making things out of what I had in my kitchen, like olive oil and coconut oil. And as I saw the results from that, I started growing my, my product base, adding new things, more fun things. And um, about a year after my daughter was born is when I launched my business. So it, you know, I, I never expected when I graduated from college that I'd be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in right now. I love that. Trina, I want to jump into our first topic right away. If you could teach everyone in our audience just one thing, something that you feel has been the biggest contributor to success so far, what would that be? Um, I would have to say that you have to go with what's comfortable to you. And that might not mean that you can launch a business today. That just might mean you have to take the baby steps. If you're interested, if you have an interest in something, there's probably a way that you can formulate a business around it and you, you can, you can actually make some money or make a living or make it a really nice lifestyle off of it but it's not going to happen overnight. So you have to start somewhere. I have so many people that tell me I have this great idea. I, I created this product or I have this idea for this product. Five years later, I run into them and they still have that same idea. They have still, they haven't gone anywhere with it. So you literally have to take what you are comfortable with and what you envision and you have to do something about it. And you don't have to put a lot of money or time or effort, but you do have to do something. Do you mean being comfortable with your strengths, but still stepping out of your comfort zone at the same time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in nursing, I under I knew how to take care of a patient. Um, I understand the body. So that's where when I created my products, I was comfortable creating products that feed the skin so that the skin can thrive and you can be healthy. What I wasn't comfortable with is the business side of it. Like, how do you run social media? How you hire people? How do you teach someone to do this? How do you do all the back end stuff? That is where I wasn't comfortable. So, you know, I had to learn those things along the way. You sort of just have to put yourself in the position. And if you can't, but you have the resources, hire someone that does understand it so that you can, you can move forward. But yeah, you definitely have to be able to, and be willing to step outside the box of your comfort zone. Absolutely. So you kind of took the leap of faith in a, in a, in a way, uh, you started off as a nurse and now you run a really successful company. Do you, did you ever imagine that uh, something like that would happen in a way? 
No, I never, I, you know, when I, when I started my nursing career, this is, I, I never expected to be sitting here. In fact, I went back to anesthesia school and I graduated from anesthesia school. So I, you know, of course went into debt cause that's not an easy school. You know, you basically have to live off of student loans. So I, I didn't plan on doing this. I had no vision that this was going to happen. And it truly was, I always say it happened by mistake, but it, I'm so fortunate that it happened by mistake. Um, part of my story that I didn't tell you is that when my husband and I got married in Fiji, I got pregnant on the honeymoon, but miscarried about seven weeks later. So that miscarriage is what sparked me to investigate everything about my life. And it's what led me to look at what I was using on my skin and realize that it was loaded with toxins. It was loaded with neurotoxins. It was loaded with things that were not only harmful to me and my skin, but also to my, my baby that I was now growing inside me. So I literally took that passion and developed something out of it and never expected, like I said, I, I don't have a degree in business. I never expected to be sitting here. I think uh, we have a lot of uh, busy entrepreneurs in the sh uh, listening to this show. And uh, skincare, I don't know, maybe I'm a guy, but I don't really think about this stuff. Uh, stuff maybe when uh, I used to style my hair, for example. Or uh, Could you give us some practical tips and uh, advice, uh, what you've learned on this journey, um, becoming more mindful about uh, what we use and uh, becoming more healthy, I guess? Absolutely. I, you know, and just because you're a guy, like, so I have a ton of customers that are men. Men are more interested than you think about, I mean, think about it. You want to look good. You want to look younger, you know, especially as you get older, you still want to look younger. So you might not be interested in it in your twenties, but you know, you hit your thirties, you're going to start to become more aware of aging and men are just as, um, they desire youth just as much as women. So I have a lot of customers that are men and the skincare industry actually is, is very good to men. You have a lot of good type of products out there for styling your hair or moisturizing your skin or shaving cream and things like that. So it is a big industry for both men and women. Um, I like to tell people, you know, if you're, I'm a nurse, so my background is going to always lead to something biological with the body. So I always like to introduce the skin to you and look at it a little bit differently. It's the organ you can actually visualize, see, and inspect. Unlike your heart, unlike your liver, they're all extremely important. You can't live without, you know, some of your organs and the skin is one of the organs you can't live without, but it's a reflection of what all of your internal organs look like. So if your external organ looks dehydrated, has spots, doesn't look so healthy, doesn't have a good color, doesn't have good tone, you're most likely going to find that on the inside as well. What you're feeding your skin also becomes absorbed and most commercial skincare products contain uh, toxins and water. Now, water is probably, if you look at any commercial skincare, it's probably the number one ingredient, which means it could be up to 95% water. So I want to propose this to you. Thinking about water, we all know that you need water to survive as far as, you know, internal. It hydrates you, keeps your cells alive. But externally, other than cleaning your skin, it should not be found in every single skincare product that you own because water if you're looking at it, it's probably not purified. It's probably tap water and tap water, you know, is contaminated with a lot of things, including heavy metals. So not only is it contaminated and not only is it the biggest percentage of the ingredient in your product, but it also does not 
become absorbed. It doesn't do anything to moisturize your skin. What it does is it evaporates from your skin. And as it evaporates, it takes with it some of your protective oils and protective things that are found on your skin. And it dehydrates your skin. And dehydrated skin will show your wrinkles in your aging process much quicker. So I always tell people the fastest way to look a little bit younger and to look like you have brighter skin is to put oil on your skin because oil actually will be absorbed and will hydrate your cells. Plumped up healthy cells are going to, um, you're, you're not going to see your wrinkles as much and you're going to have a better tone. You're going to have better color. So um, that's, that's one way of looking what I, at what I do with my company as I try to educate people about their skin and how it, it needs to be nourished the exact same way you nourish your body. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you are expert on your topic and uh, whenever you speak about it uh, in your interviews, you get so passionate about it, uh, which is something I truly love. Trina, people love to hear about numbers. Uh, tell me how the revenues look for your company right now. Uh, my company is growing extremely rapidly. So um, we are we are selling on Amazon. We're selling on e-commerce. And um, we doubled our sales from last year. What products and services uh, sell the most? My introductory product, the product most people fall in love with, is my dirty mouth tooth powder. So my dirty mouth tooth powder, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tooth cleaner. It's, it, it replaces your toothpaste. It's an actual powder, and it's made with three different clays because clay has the exact minerals that your teeth need to stay strong. The problem with commercial toothpaste and with our diet is that neither one of them contain the minerals in the, in the amounts that we need. Toothpaste doesn't contain any minerals in it, and your teeth need those minerals in order to stay stronger. So while your toothpaste that's loaded with toxins and chemicals, which is another whole topic, might be cleaning your teeth, it's not doing anything to strengthen them. So if you ever experience a soft spot or a sensitivity, that is the minerals leaving your enamel. And if you don't replace those minerals, and you can do that through your diet, but the problem with our diet today is that the, the soil is so mineral depleted that the minerals are not in our food sources, like our carrots and our broccoli and things like that. So what you have to do is you have to be able to replace them. You cannot get these minerals from inside your bloodstream. They can't, you can't leach them. They have to be in your mouth. So what I did, I did this because my daughter at the age of two had a molar that had a, a bad spot in it, like a, a an innate cavity that developed during in intrauterine. So this cavity, we had to put a filling in, a temporary filling at the age of two and a half. And in my mind, I'm like, there's no way. I, I have to figure out what I can do to help that tooth survive. So I started researching what, how can I replace the minerals in that tooth? How can I keep that tooth strong and healthy? And what I realized was that clay contains the exact minerals in the exact form that your teeth need. So if you brush your teeth with, with clay or with the dirty mouth tooth powder, you're going to put those minerals back in your teeth. I've had testimonies of people that have healed cavities. I have one woman that um, had six cavities and needed one root canal, started using the dirty mouth tooth powder went to the dentist and the she, all of her cavities were healed and the 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 one that was, needed the root canal no longer needed a root canal so it it's fun to put your passion and what you're really good at into something that can serve everyone yeah, I guess it's uh, way easier if you have a great uh, product, Trina. Uh, it's been a long journey, but what has been the most effective growth strategy over the years? My most effective growth strategy, uh, which what put me on 
put me on the planet, put me on the mark. Um, and I, you know, I, when I started my company, I had a lot of people telling me, you'll never make it. You're a skincare company. Do you know how hard it is to get into that, you know, for anybody to see? So what I ended up doing is I, I narrowed my focus to paleo. When the paleo movement came out, um, in 2010, 2011, I was making my products under a different company name. It was called Olives Organic Botanicals. And I was doing well. I was getting myself in magazines and getting my products out there. But it wasn't until my husband brought home the paleo diet that I realized my skincare is paleo. And there's nothing out there that will market to the people looking for paleo skincare. Basically, the paleo skincare is in line with the paleo diet because it means free from all toxins. You know, you're using whole food sources or real food sources, no preservatives, nothing harmful. So what I did is relaunched my company, taking a smaller segment of the, you know, the market and launching it to, to the paleo community. And that's where it took off. It took off. And now I reach a broader community, not just paleo, because I'm able to, I, I have my company base. I have my, you know, my, my products have been tested and, and, you know, they stand the test of time. I've got testimonies. So now I'm able to branch out into the bigger source of the skin skincare world. Um, but I actually narrowed my focus, which sounds counterintuitive, but it can work. It's interesting. It comes up uh, time after time, uh, importance of narrowing down your niche, uh, getting really niche specific. Uh, why, not why, but was it scary a bit doing that? As you said, it's a bit counterproductive. And, you know, in my mind, it wasn't. In my mind, I knew that I knew that if I relaunched my business, focusing on the people that I knew would understand what my business was doing, what my mission was, what my goal was, I knew that I'd be busier than, you know, ever. Like I, I knew that it would take off and I wouldn't have to, they would understand it. They would get it. I wouldn't have to do as much education, although I always do education and teaching about my products and things like that, but they would totally get it because it's in line with what they're looking for. So there is that fear of, oh gosh, instead of reaching millions of people, I might only reach, you know, a, a percentage, a small percentage of those people. But that's okay too, because at least you're getting to the right people. Because part of marketing is knowing who is your right market. And even though small segments make up huge numbers, which is crazy. Trina, uh, tell me, how did you hit the, your first 100 clients? It was all. Uh, I would have to say that was bloggers. It was. It was the time when um, the paleo movement was fairly new, and the popular paleo bloggers. I could actually contact them. Now they're so busy that they have three people that you have to go through. But during the time that I started this, I was able to actually reach out to the blogger themselves. They would try my products. They would write a post about it. We'd do a coupon code or a promotion. And I would, you know, that's how I, that's how I gained traction. And that's how I started my actual business was through social media and the bloggers. So today you don't reach out to bloggers anymore, I assume. Oh yes, I do. I, I mean, I love, I love Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, you can't go wrong with social media. That's where it's really, that's really where you're going to get, you're going to get in front of so many more people. So if I contact one blogger and they love my products and they do a post on it, I can reach their audience plus my audience and you know, you can just reach more people. So yeah, social media is huge. It's a, it's a huge avenue. 
So you would reach out to a blogger with an audience of, let's say, 100,000, uh, whether it's on YouTube, Instagram, and you would offer your product for free plus the sponsorship, or how would that work? It, it sometimes just depends. Yeah, a lot of times with, with the bloggers, you know, if they have the audience that I'm looking for, I'll send them the products, they can test them and try them. And then, you know, I never make it, it's it's all in them. If they like the products, they can write the post. Obviously, if they don't care for them, which rarely happens, <laughs> they, you know, they won't do, they won't do any promotional, which I wouldn't want them to. But it's, um, yeah, I would, I would offer them a product. And in exchange, you know, you always, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur just starting out, what you really want to do is offer some sort of coupon for your product when they, when they, you know, send out their email or do their blog post or do their live Facebook post about it, because you've got the audience right there. You want to send them to your site, um, offer them a coupon. That's an incentive for them to purchase. So do you feel like it's uh, mostly numbers game? You reach out to, I don't know, 200 bloggers and maybe 10 of them will say yes. Or what's kind of the approach you take? Yeah, it's, it's a numbers game. You know, you always, you, you have to go into it with the frame of mind that, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I am who I am. And you're not going to get in touch with everybody, especially today. Um, everybody's busy. Um, the bloggers that have 100,000 or 1 million followers are difficult to get a hold of. They have more than just me contacting them. They have probably a 1,000 of me contacting them. So um, you really have to figure out your company, who is the right target for you as far as a blogger, what who their audience is. And then you have to promote yourself to that blogger in, you know, in light of knowing who their audience is. You can't just say, Hey, I want you to promote my product. You have to present it. Like I know your audience, your audience is this, this, and this, and this is my product. And this is why they would love it because why would they, why should they promote something to their audience that their audience isn't going to care about anyway? So you've done your research. I love that. Um, Trina, I'm, I know you know that life of an entrepreneur is often like a roller coaster, ups and downs. Um, I want you to look back on your journey and pick a major hardship or a challenge. Let's call it the worst entrepreneurial moment. Can you walk us through that story? Yes. So it's, you know, and I think this is something that entrepreneurs go through. And, and I struggled with this and I'm, I'm literally just getting myself dug out of this hole. Um, it, it's a, it's, it's a busy job. It's a lot of work. Uh, I, I always joke and say, if I knew how much work it was, I don't know that I would have done it. Um, but it's also very rewarding. So I know I would have done it, but it would have been nice to know how much work it was so that I could prepare myself so that I wouldn't let my health decline. But over the course of the past five years, so much has fallen on my shoulders that I ended up having some really bad neck problems. So what I've realized lately is that you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your health. You have to set time aside for yourself. You have to set time aside for your family because you can't be on the job 24 seven. You can't even be on the job 16 hours a day. You have to give yourself a break. Otherwise, and, and it helps you mentally figure out problem solving issues that come up you're much easy. It's much easier for you to look at an issue more rational when you've stepped away from the issue for a couple hours. So I, I really think that hindsight is 2020. I'm glad I'm at, I'm where I'm at today. Um, but if, if I had it to do all over again, or if I was coaching a young entrepreneur, I would definitely tell them, don't make this your job of 24 seven, make sure you take some time during the day to enjoy your family, you know, your health, your life, things that you enjoy, because it's not, the business is going to be here 
and what you didn't finish today can be finished tomorrow. That is interesting that you bring it up. There's a lot of talk about uh, hustle, working, uh, working 12-hour days, working on the weekends, and uh, everybody seems to glorify that. Uh, how strict are you with yourself now when you're a little bit wiser than you started off? I'm, um, I, I'm, you know, I still tell myself that it's my business. So if there's an issue that comes up, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, it's my responsibility to deal with it. Um, but on the other hand, um, I don't sit down and, and work. I used to, when the kids went to bed, I would sit down and do another two to three hours of work and then go to bed. So now my routine is if I have 20 minutes or a half hour of work, I get it done. I finish it up. And when, when that half hour is done, I stop and I go do something for myself. And normally that's something like a, I usually I have like a stretching exercises routine that I do at night and I, I do some uh, meditation and things like that. So I, I've, I keep it in perspective. I know that the business is mine and ultimately all responsibility issues come down to me. But if it's not like the website's crashing then it can probably wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you mentioned a few behaviors that you pursue. Could you pick one behavior or a habit, something that really contributes to your success? What would that be? Um, really finding people that align with you to work with you. And, and when I say with you, I mean with you, not really for you. You, you know, even if they are someone that's managing a segment of your business, there, give them the authority, let them know that they're going to mess up. They're not going to do everything the way you would do it, but hire the person that you think is better than you at that job. If you hire someone that is not better than you, then you're always going to have to babysit them. You're always going to have to train them. They're always going to come to you for questions. But if you look at it like, I got to hire someone that's better than me, then you can set them free. And then that's one less thing you have to have on your plate. And they only come with you with issues that you don't really, that they're not able to problem solve and they just want your advice on. So I, you know, that's one of the things I've learned over, over the course of my, um, my business is hire people better than you to do the jobs that, they're better than you can do anyway. Yeah, that really comes down to knowing yourself and knowing what are you good at and what are you bad at and going from there. Trina, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about happiness. What brings you joy and really makes you happy, Trina? Um, obviously, it's my family and the time that I can spend with them. My kids are getting older and um, it, it just goes so fast. It goes so fast. So... I would have to say that um, family time, taking care of myself, that's what that truly is what gives me joy. Thank you for that. We've covered so much in this interview and uh, there's so many takeaways. But if you could leave our audience with just one thing, one last final takeaway, one thought, what would that be? Um, I would have to say, look at your strengths and look at what you're good at and Find something you enjoy doing, and it doesn't mean you're going to have a successful business out of it, but find a hobby or something that you enjoy doing and see where it takes you. Let it guide you and and just practice being happy at what you're doing, and you never know where it's going to go, so keep an open mind. Trina, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, Simon, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.